Freedom Friday, y'all. We should be expecting that God's going to do amazing things today. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. And the reality of knowing that is not the same thing as the reality of experiencing it. I think a lot of us still live in bondage without knowing it, believing that we're free, but living like we're not. Here's an example for you. I honestly believe that drinking eight ounces, eight glasses of eight ounces of water a day would be really, really good for me. But I don't actually drink that much water, even though I've heard and agreed that it would improve my health. That's just an example of the difference between believing something and actually experiencing the benefits of it. But the question is, why would we stay in bondage? If we know that Christ set us free to be free, why would we stay there? I think sometimes it's just out of not knowing any better, you know, ignorance. You don't know what you don't know. And God reveals to us what he wants us to know, and he leads us into greater and greater freedom as we spend time with him while we're reading the Bible and while we're in prayer. Yesterday I was sharing about God revealing passivity in my life as sin. Prior to that, I didn't know that I was sinning against God. It wasn't until he revealed it. Um, I didn't know that that sin was, that passivity was being, you know, sinful towards him instead of being engaged. And sometimes we choose bondage. It's not of ignorance. We, we can straight up see that we've come to like a fork in the road and we choose what's easier for us, maybe because it's become, it's comfortable for us or it's just familiar. And then we become so accustomed to our bondage, we just don't even try to break free. But bondage holds us back. It keeps us from becoming who we're created to be. And that's the role that sin plays in our life. It keeps us from becoming who we're created to be. We're actually enslaved to it. We're robbed of our dignity and our value and the freedom that we were created to live in. There's just one God, and he's holy, and he's pure, and he's perfect in every way. And our sin separates us from him. And we can't become who he created us to be if we're apart from him. It's his presence that changes us from the inside out and leads us to become like him, pure and perfect and holy. So this good Holy Heavenly Father sent his son, Jesus, to live a life fully surrendered to the Father, revealing the Father's character to us. And then he died the death that we deserve for our sins so that we could be in this relationship with God once again. Not just in this life, but for all of eternity in relationship with God. And it's growing freedom being in relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it's continued freedom. It's ongoing freedom. He's saying, you thought you were free yesterday? Hold up. We're about to do something crazy, and it's going to be good, and you're going to experience new freedom today that you didn't have yesterday. So just like agreeing that drinking water doesn't allow me to experience the benefits of drinking water, agreeing that Jesus died for us doesn't allow us to experience the benefits of freedom in Christ. Accepting what Jesus did for us and living in relationship with God is how we experience the freedom. So if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus in your life, And right now your heart is just kind of stirring. You're like, what is going on inside of me as this conversation is happening? That's not me. That's not Perry. That's God. He loves you and he wants you to choose him today. God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, is the one who's stirring your heart right now. Accept that you're a sinner and need a Savior. Believe that Jesus died to save you from sin and death. And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. But if you're a believer and you just feel like you're stuck in your sin right now, you're not experiencing the freedom that we're talking about, the freedom that Christ died for you to have. Ask God to reveal unconfessed sin in your life. 
when he does, apologize and set your heart not to do it again. And, you know, we can get into patterns of sin where we just keep failing and failing and failing, and you might have given up all hope that you can be free, but Jesus can set you free through the power of his cleansing work in your life. I'm here to say that there's hope. You can break free. Yeah, it's, it is mysterious. It is crazy good. It is a journey. It's not just a moment. But Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I just, I think that, you know, today is Freedom Friday, and I can't think of a better day or time than today and right now to say, yeah, I want it. Mm-hmm. I want freedom. Maybe you feel like I do. I want to experience the relentless tenderness of God. Those are Brennan Manning's words, and I just I love his writings. He's now with the Lord, and he's got this classic book called Ragamuffin Gospel. I read Abba's Child. Now I'm in Ragamuffin Gospel. And for me, it takes a long time to read a book because I read it through like three times. Mm. And there's just such great stuff in it about God's love for us and how it sets us free. And here's, here's something from his book, Ragamuffin Gospel. Brennan says, My personal experience of the relentless tenderness of God came not from exegetes, in other words, people who interpret the Scripture, not from theologians and spiritual writers, but from sitting still in the presence of the living Word and calling on Him to help me understand with my head and heart His written Word. Sheer scholarship alone cannot reveal to us the gospel. We must never allow the authority of books, institutions, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus Christ personally and directly. When the religious views of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we become unconvincing and unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places we have never visited. Yeah. Whoa, that's really good. (laughs) Unpersuasive and what was the other thing? Unpersuasive and unconvincing. Unconvincing. Yeah, trying to pass on something to somebody else that you haven't experienced. (laughs) I was in sales. I don't know if you've ever done sales, but I, my first, uh, when I was a stay-at-home mom and I was homeschooling the kids, I picked up this direct sales candle business. And one of the first things that they taught us was never try to sell a candle that you don't like the fragrance of. Like, just don't. Because people read right through that. They see right through that when it's not something that you're convinced of personally. Take that to our faith in Jesus Christ. When you're trying to persuade somebody of something that you haven't yet had a conviction of, there's a difference between, like, knowledge and understanding and yeah, I read that, or I heard that, or I even believe that, and like, no, 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 no. Like, I know that I know that I know deep in my soul that this is true. Yeah, and that's what Brendan is getting at. And, you know, I I enjoy great Bible teachers. I've learned so much from some Bible teachers and, and theologians and spiritual writers. For example, I'm reading right. Brendan Manning, but he, he's saying, you know, you can experience God directly 
through Jesus Christ. And that's what's made the difference in my life is I look back to fifth grade on the playground when I professed Jesus as my Lord in front of a bunch of kids, and the Holy Spirit just said, you're mine. I mean, I had to experience that. And then when I was 18 and and I was in such a dark place spiritually in terms of how I was living and and Jesus healed my ankle and I experienced his presence, you know, when I was in such a sinful place in my life, you know, those are the things that that I want to keep on experiencing. There's a prayer of Paul. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ that is beyond knowing. Mm. And so... This is, this is what we can have in Jesus Christ, this personal relationship, this personal direct knowledge from God through his word so that we know that we know that we know and we are persuasive when we share it because we've experienced it like right. you've just said. How cool would it be if there was like this breakout, like this, this revival of people having personal encounters and experiences with Jesus? How cool would that be? I think that when we tell our testimonies, like, so thank you, Perry, for sharing the ways in which you've experienced Jesus in a personal way and how that impacted you. Because when we speak of those, I feel like we're just scattering seeds like a dandelion, like the wind comes and blows all the seeds off a dandelion and they scatter all over the place. That's what happens when we tell our testimony. And other people just get this seed planted in their heart that goes, well, if he did it for Perry, maybe he'll do it for me too. I drink a lot. And I can't stop. You can have all the Christians in America pray and nothing will change. This addiction is my fate. It is God's will. That's what a boss, a Muslim man, said to Scott, a new Frontiers worker who was renting a room from him. Scott said, no problem. I'll pray for you in Jesus' name and your drinking problem will be gone. Pray for me if you want, a boss said. It won't make a difference. Scott's Arabic was still rough, so he stuttered a short prayer. Jesus, stop him drinking. Hmm. Amen. After that night, Abbas and Scott started studying the word together. A couple months into that study, Abbas said, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since you prayed for me. Jesus had freed Abbas from his addiction. A few nights later, Scott couldn't sleep. So he prayed for Abbas for hours, asking Jesus to show himself to Abbas. Then around 4 o'clock that morning, just as the first call to prayer from the mosque started, Scott fell asleep. A couple hours later, he woke up to Abbas pounding on his door. Abbas said, I couldn't sleep all night. Then when the call to prayer started, I fell asleep. I dreamt that someone was knocking on the door. It was Jesus. And he said, I want to have dinner with you. So Abbas prepared the food and brought it to Jesus. Now still in the dream, Jesus said, wait a minute, someone else is coming. And another neighbor was at the door. Jesus kept on saying this, wait a minute, someone else is coming. Soon the whole street was lined up with people outside Abbas' door. Abbas said, there's not enough food for them. Jesus said, don't worry, just serve them. Yep. There was more than enough for everyone. Abbas had that dream three times. And now standing at Scott's door, moments after the third dream, he said, I want to be baptized now. Mm. And he was. That's incredible. 
There's just so many miracles in this story. You know, the the miracle of Abbas not drinking again when he just, it sounds like he just was at the end of his rope. I mean, for him to res- to say to Scott with deep conviction, you know, you can have everybody in the world pray for me. This isn't going to change. There's backstory in that statement, right? Like it, it feels to me like I've done everything I can. It's not like I haven't tried. Mm-hmm. I've tried and have failed. Trust me. You know, I you know appreciate your good thoughts, your good intentions, but this isn't changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can come to the place where you just lose all hope of ever changing. And you can come to the place where you think, because it's never changed, it must be that God just made me this way. You know, it must be God's will. And, you know, we could pray for somebody right now who's got an addiction of some kind, and and the Lord may heal that person. I believe that. But I also believe that healing can be a process, too. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking of Celebrate Recovery which is an amazing, it's a 12-step, Christ-centered program. There's one in Holland at Central Wesleyan, but I know that Celebrate Recovery is all around the country, and it's in many places here in West Michigan. And maybe the way out is, you know, if you're suffering from an addiction, you just can't get free, maybe to walk with, you know, Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. Get some people in your life that can help bring this healing of Jesus into your life. It's a miracle either way. You know, if you walk it out and you walk into healing, praise God. That's still his work and, and that's still a miracle. Or if he immediately just takes away the desire. My dad was a heavy smoker for years and we lived in California. I grew up there. And one day driving into work, you know, my, my oldest sister, she was about a toddler at the time. And my dad would smoke through several packs a day. I mean, he was an intense smoker. But my older sister had asthma And he felt so bad about the role that his smoking played in her asthma. But he had tried and tried and tried, and he just couldn't quit. And so one day on his way to work, he's driving on the freeway in California, and he just said, God, I I can't do this anymore. I'm hurting my own kid. This is killing me. I can't do it anymore. And he rolled down the window, and he threw a pack of cigarettes out the window and just said, I give it to you. I, I I just don't even know what to do. I just give it to you. He never puffed another cigarette again after that moment. That was the end of it for him, which is an incredible story of God's goodness, right? That a man who could not quit. And you could even think, well, maybe, you know, it was the resolve on that day that that's what did it instead of giving credit to God God for what happened. But when he was 40, when he turned 40, he went in for his physical and, and they took an x-ray of his lungs And the doctor was just dumbfounded. He said, where did you grow up? Tell me your story. And dad said, why? And he said, you have the lungs of a newborn baby. Where did you grow up? And my dad's like, that's not even possible. I have been a heavy smoker my entire life. That God had taken all of the nicotine out of my dad's body, completely cleaned his lungs out or given him brand new lungs. I don't know. But the doctors couldn't even believe what he was seeing. That's my dad's story. That's, that's the kind of stuff God does. You know, when I was a teenager, I was definitely addicted to pornography. And I couldn't get free from that. And it, it just, it's, it's so destructive. And But Jesus was in my life. Jesus was definitely in my life. And 
as I moved into college, you know, that it was still sort of a part of my life, but I was really starting to, to go deeper in my faith. I was starting to get discipled, and I just remember one day falling into that as a, as a college student and just thinking, you know what, I am just so tired of this. Mm-hmm. I am sick and tired of feeling awful about this because it's so awful. And because Jesus was in me and because I've, I had come to the end of myself and had gotten sick of my sin, that was the day really that I turned the corner, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I found freedom. So the point is, Freedom can come in a moment, and freedom can come in a process, and freedom can come because Jesus is in us, and we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jesus set us free for freedom, so freedom is ours. It's it's already been done. It's not about it's not about something that we need to do. It's already been done for us. Yeah, the work is finished. He's won the battle. We just need to, by faith grab a hold of it and it starts with prayer and i i just feel like we need to pray for the person who's lost hope mm. that they're ever going to change and maybe not necessarily pray for the 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 freedom we want them to be free but that they would have hope that, that god would give them the gift of hope mm-hmm. to begin this process lord i do pray right now that you would be with all of us who, you know, what comes to mind for us of that thing that we feel like we're stuck on, God, that we can't seem to break free of, whether that is um, alcoholic addiction or, or an addiction to smoking or pornography or online shopping or the affirmation of other people, the applause of man. Lord, whatever it is that we find ourselves going to again and again and again, like like the woman at the well, you know, trying to find um, satisfaction in her relationship with men. Lord, we want an encounter with Jesus that changes us, an encounter with Jesus that gives us hope for the freedom that is ours. And so, Lord, would you plant seeds of hope in each one of our hearts today and show us, show us what steps you would have us take today to begin to experience freedom. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Sean and I are so glad to be able to spend some time with you right now. It's Freedom Friday. Woo-hoo. Hey, nicely done, Pear Dog. <laughs> it was okay. I, I came in with the assist. I was there just in case. We had the chorus effect done. We did. The yeah. chorus, woot, woot. Freedom Friday, woot, woot. So a few weeks ago, I was asked to be a part of a, a healing prayer service. And in preparation that morning, I sat with the Lord and I asked him if there was any sin in my life that I needed to confess to him. And I'm pretty quick to go to him with sin that, you know, I know I've committed against him because I just don't like there being anything between us. You know, I don't want to know that I've hurt God's heart and just like sit in that space. So I want to get clean about it right away. And so I'm quick to confess. But I'd asked him if there was any unconfessed sin in my life and he brought something to mind. So I agreed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I did that. And I confessed my sin and asked for forgiveness. And then it was just quiet for a moment. And then he brought another one to mind. And so I repented. I went through the process again and then another, and this process went on for a while. And I honestly had no idea that I had so much unknown sin going on in my life. This morning, I just thought of somebody that I've got a bad attitude towards. Mm -hmm. It's not you. 
Oh, gosh, thanks. <laughs> Woo, I was sitting over here sweating a minute there. Yeah, and it just came to mind, and I was coming to work, and I just realized, I don't like this guy. Mm. And I feel some malice in my heart towards this guy for, for no really good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, no really good reason except the, the junk in me. Huh. And what is malice in my heart? Well, you know, John says in his first letter, I believe that if that if we hate our brother, we're like a murderer. Ouch. That was hard to that was hard to confess. Yeah. But I just owned up to it. And he forgives. Yeah. He cleanses. He He's so faithful and so good. And so when stuff comes to mind like that, like, man, I blew it or I hurt God's heart or this is going on inside of me. And we say it to him. He's faithful to forgive us our sins. But at the same time, there could be sins that we are completely unaware of. And without taking the time to sit and reflect and ask God, like for me, all the sins that I confessed that day, they were there. They were there undealt with. And 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it says if we walk in the light, so so a huge part of walking in the light is bringing our sin into the light. Mm-hmm. This is this is how we walk in the light. One of the ways we walk in the light, obviously, is is loving as Jesus loved, but it's also bringing sin into the light. Yeah, and for me on this day when this unconfessed sin, um, unknown sin, I'll put it that way, when that came forward, it just made me think like, huh, I didn't realize that if I didn't ask God to reveal sin to me, that there could be stuff going on inside of me that's not dealt with. And then I remembered, you know, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices for sins that you knew that you committed, but there were also sacrifices that needed to be made for sins that you didn't know you committed, a different kind of sacrifice, a different kind of cleansing and making things right. And this is in Leviticus. It's all lined out for us. That's where the law is. And the whole job of the law is to reveal sin. It, it it was a good thing. The law was a good thing. It had a good purpose because without the law, you might just sin and, and not know about it or sin and take it lightly. But when you knew, okay, if I sin against God, this is what I need to do to make it right again. That's what the purpose of the law was. And God's law from the very beginning shows us there is cleansing and there is a way. Romans 8, 3 says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So back to 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's not the confession of my sin that brings me forgiveness, that that is the source of my forgiveness. It's the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because by one sacrifice, it says in Hebrews 10, 14, by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever. He has made perfect forever those who are being made perfect. Yeah, he is faithful 
And he is just, and he forgives us, and not only forgives us, but cleanses us. So confession is taking hold of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice for all of our sins. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I just encourage you today, take a minute and talk to God. Apologize for any known sin and ask him to reveal to you unknown sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, if you've caught some of the show, we'd love to hear something that has stood out to you from today. Your takeaway, 800-968-8930, 800-968-8930. My takeaway is this quote from Brennan Manning. He says, we must never allow the authority of books, institutions, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus Christ personally and directly. When the religious views of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we become unconvincing and unpersuasive travel agents, <laughs> handing out brochures to places we have never visited. Man, just that just calls me into knowing Jesus through his word myself. Direct relationship, not knowing about him, not getting facts about him, but seeing Jesus with the eyes of my heart and just being recaptured by his amazing grace. It's so good. So for me, it's repentance is good. It's this churchy word. It may come initially with this, you know, negative connotation, but it's really, really good. It's about being honest with God and saying, yeah, I sin, I fall short. I'm not going to try to pretend that I don't. I'm going to get honest with you about it, and I don't want to do it again. Mm. So help me, empower me by your spirit to live that out today as best I can. Yeah, and repentance is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift because it reconciles us. It makes things right again, yeah. you know, between us and God. It's good. And every time we turn, there's the Father on the porch, and he's getting up, and he's running toward us. 